Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. Lisa Hickey is the CEO of Good Men Media Inc. and publisher of The Good Men Project, a multimedia cross-platform site that asks, what does it mean to be a good man in the 21st century? The Good Men Project is a social movement that sets out to challenge long-held notions of what manhood, men, and gender roles mean. The Good Men Project is a destination for thoughtful, insightful, and surprising stories that speak to modern men. Before launching The Good Men Project, Lisa worked in advertising. Her experience in the industry is extensive, as she's worked as an art director, copywriter, a creative director, and CEO. She's won a host of many awards, regional, national, local, international, you name it. She's been there and done that. I've met Lisa over the last few months, and I'll say she's one of the most authentic, intentional, driven, expansive people I've met, and just somebody who has a great soul and uh, doing great work in the world. Lisa, welcome to the One Away Show. Oh, thanks, Brian. I'm excited to be here. Yes, it's great. It's great to have you. Appreciate uh, all the work we've been able to do together and connections we've been able to make. It's been uh, you know, really fond of, of what you're a part of and stand for. Uh, and with that said, Lisa, you know, what, what is the one away moment that you would like to share with us today? The one away moment is the moment when I got involved in the Good Men Project and it changed both my professional life and my personal life in very amazingly profound ways. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine, uh, you know, how starting a platform that you have is completely taking your life down so many different pathways you probably never expected. For those that don't know the Good Man Project, would you mind sharing uh, what it is? So right now it's a multimedia international platform that's having a conversation about the changing roles of men in the 21st century. And we get about 3 million people a month to the platform. We have articles that we publish about 45 articles every day. We have phone calls with our community. We have live events. We have partnerships with other media companies. Um, so we're, we're a, a multidimensional conversation about the ways in which men's roles are changing and um but but at the moment when i when it started it was nothing it was none of that it was just an idea so that what that's why it was so transformative yeah and it, i mean it seems to be you know the content topics of today you know with men it, we're in a society where i think the way men are viewed and the way men can stand out and speak up for themselves and around topics uh, that they haven't before, just because of how ma masculinity has evolved. You know, you've created a platform uh, that most most men never thought maybe pop thought possible that they could have for themselves. So I think 
that you are serving uh, a really special way uh, for expression. Uh, Lisa, I'm curious though, what, what was the impetus? I mean, you being a, a woman, um, what, what, when, when you saw this platform, the vision for it to begin with, what was the impetus? Why did you start it? Well, see, that's what's interesting. That's why um, it seems like it was such a random thing and just a moment of chance. And it's kind of funny because I've been, during the pandemic, I was like binging on romantic comedies for, <laughs> for like late at night in order to get me through this past year. And, and there's always like these chance meetings or this moment that changes someone's life. And I was thinking, oh, they're so unrealistic. But then I thought about the Goodman Project and the way that it happened. And it was this, it was this chance serendipitous event. So what happened was um, I had been, I had had a career in advertising, like my entire life. It was a great career. I was copywriter, art director, creative director. I owned my own agency. Um, and then and then after I owned an agency and we merged and it didn't work out and I found myself out on the street with like not really knowing what what I was going to do next and and I didn't really feel like there was a place for me back in the advertising world so I looked around and it was it was right when social media was starting right like right when like this was moments before Facebook had a like button <laughs> on it like at the time facebook was literally just status updates with with no way of interacting and um and i said well social media seems like the next big thing maybe there's a way i can combine my advertising expertise with social media so i started consulting on social media and and helping people build their own platforms and and like i would stay up till three in the morning figuring out Twitter for, for like mm -hmm. three months straight. I was like, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. How do you get followers? How do you keep followers? How do you interact with them? Who are the leaders on it? Who are the influencers? And then I started consulting with other people, like helping other people build their own platforms. And mm -hmm. this was like back, there was the start of the, there was one of many recessions <laughs> in the world, but it was the start of one of the bigger recessions. And so a lot of people in ad agencies were getting laid off and I would help them. I would help them use their platform to get other jobs. So I met with this old friend of mine, Mark St. Amant, who was one of, I, I think I worked with him in advertising when he got his very first job and I was sort of mentored him and he had just gotten laid off. So I met with him at this coffee shop and I taught him everything I knew about social media. And he said, wow, this is amazing. You should meet this guy, Tom Matlack. He's a venture capitalist. And he, he, I think he needs help getting on Facebook. He's writing a book. He needs help getting on Facebook. Can you help him? I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so I had um, lunch the next day with, um, with uh, Tom Matlack, who had was running his own venture capitalist firm, but wanted to become an author, wanted to write a book. And he was writing a, he was compiling stories of men 
who um, of of men, uh, just basically stories of men, an anthology about men, and the and the defining moments in their lives. And I'll never forget we were walking to this restaurant and. And I was like, so what's your book about? And he said, well, it's a book of essays. And my heart fell because I'm like, essays, like at the time, essays sounded so boring. I'm like, oh, that's great, <laughs> like essays. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but then when he said, you know, it's about the defining moment in these men's lives. Mm. And he said that the thing that connected when he would talk to men and he would say, what was the defining moment in your life? He said they all wanted to talk about the moment they woke up, looked in the mirror and said, I thought I knew what it meant to be a man. I thought I knew what it meant to be good. And I realized I didn't know either. Oh, well, that seems uh, meaning Tom was the a fortuitous kind of moment, right? And uh, is it Todd or Tom? I'm sorry. Tom, T-O-M. Okay, I had it. Meeting Tom, you know, seeing his vision and seeing how the things that you were learning, you know, how to really supplant yourself in the digital world really allowed you to maybe be emotionally captured by somebody's vision, you know, and then say, okay, how do I, how do I bring my skills and all the things that I've been learning to really give this vision a bit of you know, flight and lift off. Is that, is that correct? That's exactly it. So you're right. If I hadn't been at that moment where I was really trying to figure out this new digital frontier and I was so immersed in it um, and then meeting Tom who had an idea but didn't have the, the necessarily the understanding of how to make it happen um and it was it was the combination of those and the other thing i will say is and you asked me this in the very beginning um you know as a woman why was this interesting to me why did this have yeah. such a profound effect on me and the reason was because as i got into it i thought oh, men have problems too. Like, I didn't get that as a woman. I always thought, you know, I was a woman who was um, very gung-ho on fighting sexism however I could and rising up the ranks in corporate America so I could prove that women could, could have leadership roles. And, you know, it was always hard and I would always felt like a struggle. And then the thought that men have their whole different set of problems that I just never knew about it. Like that, that in and of itself changed my life for the better. Cause now I could relate to men in a way that I never really had been able to before, you know, yeah. that we, we were somehow team members, each fighting, <laughs> like, you know, everyone has their own struggle. And, and I just didn't, really understand the different struggles of men and until I started getting immersed in this. Yeah. Well, that's, it's so neat to me that, you know, you saw yourself maybe I'm not saying you were a feminist, but I'm saying that you seems like you really, you, you were set on kind of 
the issues that you faced and you never really had the perspective of what what are what do men face in life and what are the moments for them where they struggle or nav- need the most navigation and you were able to you know latch onto that which i find so interesting i, I don't think it's something you know you don't hear a lot of women you know saying you know doing that um or even maybe men kind of standing up around it for women so it's it's neat how you kind of switched uh, over in a sense and, and, and really took into account the male gender and kind of how, you know, the issues they face. So I think that's, that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please go. Well, I was just going to ask you a question and I don't want to uh, jump too far ahead because I want to really understand and let the audience understand how the Good Men Project really came about from meeting Tom. But, you know, you talked about realizing men face a lot of these issues. As you have built this platform and, you know, served so many stories and, and topics at this point, what are some of the uh, areas that you think men face that are the most challenging and the most surprising that, you know, you've really latched onto and really, uh, spent a lot of time learning about that continue to fascinate you to this day? Yeah, one of the big things that I learned early on was that so many men had um, had actually been um, abused in some way by their own fathers. And I don't mean that they were all in, a, in you know, with abusive parents, it was it was a lot of the the times, you know what I mean? You you disciplined a child by hitting them or you showed your dominance or you yelled at them or you told them to man up or, you know, be a man, don't be, don't be a wimp. Uh, mm-hmm. Like all of those sort of stereotypical things. And I didn't understand that so many men had been traumatized by that way of being raised by their own fathers. But the good news is that so many men are recognizing that now and saying, I am gonna be a different type of father than the father that raised me. I'm gonna take all of the good stuff and none of the bad, and I'm gonna be a really conscious father. So just in one single generation, there was a monumental shift in the way men saw their roles as fathers. Hmm. And, and that to this day, just, uh, you know, it gives me optimism. It gives me hope. It just, it, it just makes me, makes me incredibly happy that that shift happened. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I often think about the relationship I have with my dad and, you know, it's evolved very much over the years, but, um, you know, to have a, you know, a dad who I think is really thoughtful and caring and can show up for me, you know, during hard times and know that I can lean on him for support, I think has tremendously grown our relationship. Um, it would make me want to do the same for, you know, five kids one day. So, uh, it's neat. And, And just out of curiosity, Lisa, you know, to dig a little deeper, what, what was your relationship with your father growing up? Yeah, we, um, 
you know, there was, there was good times and bads, you know, he definitely, he had been um, in the military. He had literally like run things as a tight ship <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, um, you know, the good things were really good, but the, uh, the bad times were, were pretty horrible. Hmm. Yeah. I bet that was really hard to see kind of good and bad from all sides, given his background in the military. And so was meeting Tom, right? Was it a bit of a catalyst for you from maybe childhood and, you know, growing up to maybe try and make more sense of things and uh, giving you hope and maybe more inspiration to help others out there, you know, so others could have a better experience growing up. I'm, I'm just curious what made you latch on so hard? Because you could have applied your skills anywhere. You could have taken what you had learned and put it towards any mission or author. Um, so I'm just curious. Yeah, it really was that having the conversation about the changing roles of men ended up being a conversation about all of the hard things in life. It ended up being a conversation about not just parenting, but about racism and sexism and um, the way that gender roles are changing, the way that gender is seen as a spectrum and all of the LGBTQIA plus issues that go along with them. It ended up being a conversation about sports and politics and workplace and ethics. And Growing up, I had never really talked that much. I was shy, I was insecure, I was socially awkward. Um, I, could, I could pretty much manage a conversation with one other person, but you know, if you got two or three people in the room, I was almost completely silent. And so I like to think that having this conversation on the Good Men Project literally taught me how to talk mm. it you know it when I say it was profound changes it was it was that profound wow and it, now it, you can't shut me up <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like now I'll talk anywhere to anyone to like I'll get up and do a speaking engagement in front of hundreds of people I'll you know I'll be able to go on these conference calls and lead them and so it's been, it's just been such a profound change, but it really is because we started talking about really difficult issues all the time. And if you're going to talk about difficult issues, you've got to learn how to talk. <laughs> you've got to like, you know, there's a lot of skill involved. So um, yeah, it was pretty profound. Yeah. I, I mean, considering what you said, I mean, to, to have a, a platform that could support your own expression or give you the expression in a way that you never had before and, and teach you some of these social skills. I mean, that that's that's life-changing. I mean, that that's that creates a really strong bond and emotional attachment to, to the work you're doing. Um, and so yeah, I, I'm I'm so glad that you've been able to create something that is not just obviously supported men and the audience members, but has given you you know, a new way of kind of living and being and becoming the person that you are today. 
Yeah, thank you. That's um, exactly right. And I think that part of what I've tried to do, um, so we started in 2010, so it's been over 10 years now, but um, to really look at that experience I had myself and figure out ways to replicate that with others. So for example, a lot of writers who come to us had never been published anywhere before. And they publish their first post on the Good Men Project and they get some feedback and they see that people are actually reading it and they decide to publish again. And the next thing you know, they're writing weekly and then they put all their blog posts into a book and they're publishing a book and then they decide to go on to, um, you know, maybe they go to another bigger, more well-known media company and they're writing there, or maybe they're doing the talk show circuit with their book. And so I've seen, I've seen people who start out with us for the first time grow and evolve and, you know, in some cases become famous. Um, and they will write to me and say, you know, thank you for giving me a chance on the Goodman Project because that's what got me started on this path. Wow. Yeah, that's extremely empowering. I mean, I, I I mean, I just feel so grateful that, you know, first time we met, you thought things I was sharing was good. It meant so much to me. And, you know, you're creating a, something that's an extension of voices. And, you know, words matter. And words matter when they get in the hands of the right people at the right time. And um, that the right people, you know, when, when you connect those two dots, right, I think a lot of magic can happen between people through shared experiences. And you've definitely been able to provide that. Um, you know, Lisa, I wanna go back to uh, Tom for a minute. You know, he, you met him and you were really inspired by what he was doing. Uh, what, how did that progress? I mean, you, you guys had that conversation, right? And then, and it wasn't, there was no talk of maybe a a platform per se of what you built to today. I mean, how did how did things happen after in, in flow from that conversation to get to where the platform is today? Fill us in on that kind of middle ground. Yeah. So at the time, he, you know, it really was just this book of stories, and what he needed me to specifically do was help with the marketing and promotion for the book. So at the end of that lunch, that's, he said, you know, Lisa, go uh, write, write out a plan for what you would do to help promote the book and put a price on it and then we'll talk. So I was so excited about the idea that I literally walked to my car, got in my car, opened up my laptop and wrote out the proposal sitting there <laughs> in my car, like uh, parked on Newberry Street in Boston and, um, and sent it to him. And so for the next, um, I'd say six months, we really worked on, on just getting the book out there. Get, the book wasn't even finished. The book didn't even have a title. We ended up naming the book, The Good Men Project, which was the name of the platform. Um, we held a series of live events. Um, Tom kicked off his a book tour uh, by talking to one of the authors in the book who had been in Sing Sing prison. And so we kicked it off at, at Sing Sing. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, we had a live event in New York City, in California. Um, we got a bunch of press. Um, he was on several TV shows. And as we were promoting the book, we had, you know, the website that we were, and we were blogging every day about the different stories in the book. And, and, um, and so we, we started to build a little bit of a platform. But what I had said to Tom originally in that very first meeting was, I don't know if I can sell a million copies of your book, but I can sell a million people on the idea that there is a profound moment in men's lives when they realize they don't know what it means to be good. They realize they don't know what it means to be a man and they want to figure that out. Like that idea to me was so powerful that I just knew, I just recognized it as an idea that could resonate with millions of people. I just, I just did. And, um, and so he, at the sort of end of the book promotion, he said, well, you know, if you were going to get that idea out to millions of people, because we didn't sell a million copies of the book, quite frankly, we sold thousands, we did sell thousands. So it wasn't, and it was self-published. So to sell thousands within a few months um, was a great, you know, it, it was, yeah, it was that's, that's a lot. It was a lot. Um, but, um, but he said, you know, tell me, tell me about how you would build this into something bigger, write a business plan for how you would not just grow and get the reach, but how you would actually make money doing so, so you could be a sustainable business. And so I wrote a business plan and I went back to him and he says, okay, this sounds good. I'm going to give you a very small bit of money to get started, but you're going to have to go out and raise venture capital, capital to get enough money to really make it into a business. Hmm. And I was like, huh, <laughs> I've never done that before. So he said, well, here's a list of people that I know, go out and ask them for money. That's how you do it. I'm like, <laughs> he's like you just wrote a business plan show them the business plan get a meeting with them show them the business plan ask them for money <laughs> yeah. and i was like okay so i actually did you that were, were, and, and, and you were terrified you were excited you were both i mean that, that's, that's all of the, go ahead all of the above i mean the good thing was you know tom being a venture capitalist himself and having a venture capital firm he he had just so much experience and wisdom that he could impart to me. So that was, that was really great. I couldn't have done it if, you know, if it was someone else who didn't have that background and experience and who didn't have the network of people that I could reach out to, but he did not want to, he certainly didn't want to fund the whole thing. He didn't want to be responsible for it. He wanted, he wanted me to take on the financial responsibility by myself if that was what I wanted to do. And so that's what I, that's what I did. And we ended up getting, um, I think it was a total of seven investors who, um, you know, who, when we raised just enough money to get it off the ground and get to that point of making it profitable and becoming a self-sustainable business 
and I will say it was it was incredibly hard. Like even though we had some funding, it took us we were like down to the wire. Like we were just about to run out of money when we turned the path to being profitable and were able to create a business that has been pretty much profitable ever since. So that's another thing that I'm I'm actually very proud of is that we were able to turn it into something that was sustainable, a sustainable business. Absolutely, absolutely. I um, know how hard these media platforms can can be uh, to, to show profitability, but uh, it seems like you had a plan and, and were able to follow it and you know get the business to a point where uh, you can have the the viewership and members and, and audience to support a you know self-sustaining uh, operation which is no is no easy feat in this digital age so that must that must have been so uh, empowering for you and, and I mean you must have learned a ton about yourself as a leader um, building a team and, and bringing bringing a vision to life yeah th- uh, thanks um, and I do want to point out, to the listeners here that it wasn't just that profitability was the hardest part. It was that we were having this difficult conversation and there are men out there who don't want men's roles to change, Mm. right? Who want to keep the status quo, who want to keep the stereotypical view of men, who, who want men to continue to have power and dominance. And those groups of people found us early on and they would do everything they could to try to stop us from having this conversation on the Goodman Project. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything from trolling our comment sections to threatening ourselves or the authors that write for us to, um, to to trying to get people to try and boycott us, um, to, to calling for me to step down as a leader because I was a woman. I mean, there was active measures to try and get us to not have this conversation. So that was interesting <laughs> also. Yeah, completely. And I think that, you know, when when you there's always when you're doing something a little different and i think trying to change norms that have been in place for centuries you know you're always going to have pushback uh and and to be able to keep going and persevering kind of against the tide is uh is, it's remarkable um it, it, and lisa when, when you go back to those early years beyond just making a business sustainable but really changing a narrative of, of what you did do any conversations with people stand out or articles or, or, or moments at the early years that you look at and say, wow, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious for you um, what kind of stands out to you um, if you go back to like at the beginning of where the company was incepted to build this platform. Yeah, there was there was a lot. So um, so early on, we had these um, men's rights activists um, showing up all the time, and they um, the 
good piece about what they did was they really highlighted some of the problems that men were going through in, in, and they talked about those in no uncertain terms. Um, so for example, the fact that men take on all the most dangerous jobs or that men have, you know, are struggling to, um, with custody agreements and are heartbroken when they can't see their kids as, as much as they would like after a divorce or the idea of the disposability of men, um, the idea that men are the ones that go off to war or that get injured in football games and get, you know, CTE, which, which wasn't even a thing when we started, um, but now is coming into the, the landscape. Um, asking women out on dates all the time, being the ones that always had to be the, the ones and always having to be the ones to gain consent. The fact that people talk about abuses against women, but don't talk about abuses against men, like all of those really, really, really difficult issues um, were, were very much a part of the early conversations. I think the problems with the men's rights activists is that they wanted to blame women for a lot of their problems. So they wanted, they wanted you know, other people to solve all the problems um, and have men still have dominance and women to be the ones that are weaker and not liked. Mm. Um, so, so we didn't really agree on the strategy of how to change, but highlighting the problems was, we had some incredibly profound conversations. And the other one that really sticks out is mm when um, Trayvon Martin was killed. So Trayvon Martin um, had been the first, one of the very first, uh, you know, a young black man was walking home with Skittles in his pocket and was shot dead um, by someone who was patrolling in the neighborhood. And, and I remember that, um, you know, one one of the um, our people, uh, one one of the authors, um, a black man by the name of Jackie Summers, who was writing about racism. The moment this happened, he texted me and said, "This just happened. This is going to be a defining moment. This is this is a catalyst for what racism is really all about." And when you look at what happened with George Floyd now years later and the way that it sparked the Black Lives Matter movement, it sparked all these protests, it got the conversation about racism into the general public. Like he saw, Jackie Summers saw back then that that was the start of what this conversation is, is that's happening today is. And wow. he really got me to understand what was going on with racism in this country in a way that I just hadn't known before. So that was sort of another moment where one conversation changed the trajectory of, of how we talked about racism on the site and how we helped to um, help to solve it, really. Sure. 
Well, Lisa, I think what's so neat is that you've created a platform that's been able to give you a, a window and, and perspective and lens into topics that have been primarily or previously very unfamiliar to you and also so many other people. Uh, and also an understanding of things that most people aren't privy to until things kind of blow up on a national or international level, which, which allows you to speak and have credibility around topics um, you know, that you otherwise want it. And so I think it's neat that you've been able to see the magnitude of situations before they were ever nationally or internationally known. So it's really neat to kind of hear you talk about um, your learnings and, and just what you saw from um, the start of this platform. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, it has really expanded my worldview and the worldview of so many people who have gotten involved in the Good Men Project and who have come to the calls or have written the articles or read the articles, you know, it's that expansion of people's worldview is, is really what it's all about. Absolutely. And, and Lisa, I would love for you to share, I mean, you, you have at the Good Men Project, you have done a lot at the forefront of racism and diversity and inclusion efforts. I would love for you to maybe speak to those for some of the initiatives that you're pushing forward right now. Sure. So um, so again, we, we started mostly with articles on the site and we now have over 115,000 articles on a variety of topics all relating to the changing roles of men. And then several years ago, we started having phone calls with the community where we could really talk about those topics in much greater detail in like a more intimate setting, like on these hour-long phone calls that we would have every day of the week. And recently we saw that diversity and inclusion was getting a lot of um, a lot of traction in corporations who understood the need for not just a more diverse work environment, but a work environment where people, people who were formerly marginalized really felt included in that culture. They, companies are looking for a, a cultural change in how they get a variety of viewpoints, how they get diversity to really be a, um, a, a way of making their company stronger and better. And so, you know, we we've just had so much experience doing this and not just that, we had experience doing it from the perspective of men. So we understood why men might be resistant to change, um, how, how change could actually benefit them themselves. And we, we really believe that understanding things like racism and sexism and gender and LGBTQ issues, it, 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 those are leadership skills for the future. So men who really do want to be leaders are gonna need those skills, they're gonna need that understanding. And so we've, de we've developed a curriculum that goes into detail about all of those issues. And we're going out to corporations and working with them and, um, showing up at their existing groups or existing meetings that they have and giving our unique perspective on this, you know, what diversity and inclusion looks like 
through the eyes of men. How do we get men to be allies? How do we get them to understand the benefits to them? How do we get people to understand that these are leadership, it's core competence for leadership skills for the future. So that's the initiative we've been really focusing on lately. And, and it's been great. We really feel like we're making a profound impact in these places that we're going into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just love how you've taken uh, these issues and these societal injustices head on. And I think uh, how you're equipping leaders, how you're equipping uh, organizations to kind of learn uh, what is going on in this country and, and around the world uh, to better navigate these conversations and, and put in the right procedures and policies is, uh, you know, you're using your platform to make entrenched change in these communities. And I, I mean, I just found, you know, Lisa, your work from the beginning uh, really empowering and very on top of, you know, topics that are progressive and, and need uh, a lot of refinement and change to them. And, and it's just been great to follow along your journey and everything that, you know, you've been able to do and uh, just very, um, very appreciative for, um, you know, your, your wisdom, vision, and everything that you've been able to do, you know, since the platform started 10 plus years ago. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, Lisa, unless you had any other questions for, for me, I wanted to kind of give the floor to you of where people could find you, email you, get in touch with you. Oh, absolutely. That would be great. So the website is goodmenproject.com, all one word, G-O-O-D-M-E-N-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com. Uh, my email is lisa at goodmenproject.com. We are, you can also just email info at goodmenproject.com. Um, we are on Facebook and Twitter. We still have these phone calls with the community. We'd love for, to have people join in. If you want to write for us, just shoot us an email. And we're always taking on new writers and contributors. Um, and, you know, we love hearing from people. So please feel free to reach out in any way you can. All right. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thanks for showing up today fully as yourself and, and sharing with us how everything got started and, and the movements that you've really been able to, to ignite and uh, it's been fun. Thank you, Brian. I'm very grateful to have been here. It was wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.